Amen. Good stuff. Surprise, I'm back. Uh, guys, God is doing great things, and it's exciting to be a part of it, whether it's future churches uh, here in the States, uh, whether it's uh, missions overseas, whether it's campus ministry, high school ministry, ministry to families. We love being a part of God changing people's hearts and their souls. Isn't that amazing? We're going to jump straight into the message, and let me just... Let me start off. I should have said this earlier. If this is your first time here at High Point, we, we couldn't be more delighted that you're here today. And I mean that, especially on fall break when so many people are out. Uh, you have a chance here this morning to actually get connected a little bit easier way uh, because everybody gets to know each other in a moment like today. And uh, we're, we're thrilled. We encourage you to get involved in a life group, uh, get connected on, in campus or uh, with other families here. We're in a series right now called Headlines, and the whole idea behind it, church, is if God was, imagine this picture, if God was in heaven, I mean, he is in heaven, but <laughs> for some reason, if he was drinking coffee in heaven, eating some eggs and, and, and bacon and having a nice leisurely Saturday morning, and he was reading the paper, what are the headlines that would stand out to God? What are the headlines from your life that would grab his attention. Because for most of us, what we think of as, as attention-grabbing and, and praiseworthy accolades, most of those things don't matter a lick to God. Most of the things that we as our culture and world, uh, that we elevate as, as, as something noble and something to aspire to, more often than not, those are not the things that we see in Scripture being praised as things for us to pursue. In other words, the headlines of culture and the headlines of Scripture oftentimes are at tremendous odds with each other. So how do we live our life in such a way where in humility and with grace we're making the headlines of heaven Hit pause on that. About 10 years ago, if I've got my dates right, Amy and I, my wife's name is Amy, we were in Orlando, Florida, planting uh, another High Point church there. We were the associate pastors, and it just turned out that one of the things that I had longed to do for a long time was go skydiving. And so on a Saturday morning, we packed up our bags, and we drove to Titusville, Florida, if you, know that, if you know where the Kennedy Space Center is, that's where all of the rockets were getting launched into outer space. And you could go skydiving right there close to the Kennedy Space Center. What was even more amazing, I didn't get to do this, but at the time, you could go skydiving as they were shooting a rocket up into space. This is a true story. You'd be a couple miles away, but you could feel the sound barrier breaking as you were going down and a rocket was going up. Okay, that is intense. But I got to Titusville. We were with our, our senior pastors, Keith and Jennifer Tower. We were there all to have some fun. We had the video camera out, and it just so happened that we'd been married, I think, three years-ish. And we had our first child, Graham. He was with us. He, I think he was about four months old, five months old, something like that. I don't remember dates. And it turned out that not only was I going to go skydiving, but 
Keith and Jennifer were going to watch Graham, and now Amy was going to go skydiving with me. We got the video to prove it. And so we went through the little training. You know, we're putting the gear on. We get in the plane. Up we go. I mean, you're, you're up thousands and thousands of feet in the air. They open the little sliding door, and there's just wind blowing everywhere, and you've got your goggles on. And, I mean, I lost complete, you know, my thought process of looking athletic or jumping out of the plane in a manner that was, like, cool. I lost all that. I was just standing there looking at the plane, and we jumped out. Amy makes fun of me still because there's video to prove it. I looked like I passed out when I jumped out of the plane. Like, I'm just completely limp, falling through, falling through the air until about five seconds later it kicked in. Like, you need to look better than this, Andy. You need to look better. You're better than this. So <laughs> it looks like a sack of potatoes is literally just falling out the window of this plane. It's truly, this really happened. So we, we had just a tremendous time. We jumped out of an airplane, landed the whole nine yards, and we have all of it on video. We have wrist cameras, cameras on helmets, cameras leading into the plane, out of the plane, the whole thing. And at the end, when we got home, I, die, you know, I, I did all the video editing that I could, and I began to send it to friends and family as quickly as I could. Because I was so excited for them to see what we had just done. And what was interesting is that friends and family's response was a lot different than what I was anticipating. I got some text messages or phone calls that sounded a little bit like this. Andy, what are you thinking? Andy, you could have died. Andy, you have a son now. You and Amy both went, do you know the statistics on people dying that go skydiving? Do you have any idea? That's foolish. Oh, not bad. But, I, but I'm alive. So let's celebrate. And so we, 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 to this day, I think about this interaction in this moment. Because... In many ways, all of us have this, this lightning rod moment, right, where we're always considering the future. There's not a human alive. I don't care what country you are in. I don't care what kind of culture that you live in regarding uh, how you consider tomorrow, et cetera, whether, you are, whether you're in, in Asia, whether you're here in the States. Everyone thinks about their future to some degree. And everyone leans in either one of two camps, you either consider all the things that could go wrong or you consider all the things that could go right. And when we take a step back, I'm not saying that at 38 years old that I don't, I don't think differently now about skydiving than I did when I was in my early 20s. I do. But when we look at our life, I think it's important for us to take a step back for a second and consider how often we make decisions that are rooted in fear and the fear of what could go wrong, the fear of what could happen, the fear of not knowing what tomorrow holds, the fear of not knowing the details, the fear of not knowing, the fear of what could, the fear of this, rather than celebrating 
and having faith and trusting God for all the things that could go right. Man, if we do this, this could happen. I know, but this could happen too. No, 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 no. What if we, what if we began to abandon living in fear? What if we kicked that to the curb for a minute? And instead, we clung to what a life of faith looks like. Hear me, we need risk assessment. We need risk analysis. We need all of these things at times. I'm not saying that we just live foolhardy lives and have no consideration for things that could go wrong. You need people like that in your life. But by and large, as a culture, we are a people that lives over here. We have insurance for absolutely everything. Everything. And do you know how many times you actually end up using it? So, such a small fraction of the time. We bought a house and, you know, some of the appliances were, were, were getting old. And so what did I do? Well, I bought, a, I bought an insurance policy on every appliance in the house. And I haven't used it one time. And so I canceled it. The water, I'm sure something will go bad, right? No. I will not think about the things that could go wrong. I will celebrate and live with all the things that could go right, baby. Let's pray, and we're going to get into the text this morning, and let God minister to us, because church, I I mean this, even though it's something we can laugh about, this is a really important message for us. Whether you've got kids, whether you're single, whether you're divorced, whether you're trying to find a job, whether you have the job of your life. Living a life of faith is vital. Father, we invite you here right now. We ask that you speak to us and minister to us. God, we want to grow in this area. God, help our faith to grow. Help us to have faith, Lord, at least the faith of a mustard seed. And Lord, let it grow even beyond that. That we might trust you and follow you. Amen. Turn to Genesis 12. This morning we're ditching fear and we are running to a life of faith. Everybody do this. I want to make sure you're with me today. This is what we call spirit fingers. Are you alive? You guys feeling good? You tracking with me today? It's one of those, it's fall break. Some of you are thinking about where you're going to go over fall break. Some of you don't have a fall break, and for that, I'm, I'm sorry. All of our kids are out of school this week, which means we, we're going to get out of town for a couple days. If you're getting ready to, stay locked in with me for just a couple more, couple more moments. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. There's a guy here, his name is Abram. You might be, if you're familiar with church, you might be a little bit more familiar with him. Uh, his full name that he, that he receives is Abraham. And if for some reason I, I start calling him that, uh, it's the same guy. Abram and Abraham, they are the same individual. And this is what God says to Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. We're only 12 chapters in, and this is the interaction we have between a single man and God Almighty. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Lot is his cousin. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran or Haran. 
So who is this guy, Abram? I'll tell you right now, he's, he's a sinful, pagan man, just like you and me. He's grown up in a house that worships another god. We know this from the text surrounding it. He's grown up in a city called Ur, U-R, region of Mesopotamia. It's close to where the Garden of Eden would have been. His city that he's grown up in is technologically advanced for the time period that they're in. The, 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 the surrounding areas are lush, they're green, and they're perfect for farming. Perfect for making a, a name for yourself. Sitting in your lazy boy and enjoying life. The lush gardens, the garden area around Mesopotamia in the city of Ur. And yet God says to him, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. You're 75 years old. We don't know how this relationship looked. We don't know what led to the events. But God spoke to him and he called him out. He spoke to him and called him out of, 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 the, of living in his father's house. He called him out of, of being a pagan uh, man, a, God that wor- a guy that worshipped multiple gods. He called him to worship the one true God. He invites him into relationship with him. And he says, here's what I want you to do, Abram. I want you to leave your house. I want you to leave your dad's house. I want you to leave your people. I want you to leave your city. I want you to leave everything that you know, and I'm going to take you to a land that I'm going to show you. I want you to just go ahead and start going. Go ahead and leave. So Abram went. Why don't you track with me on this? Abram went. He didn't even know where he was going. God hadn't said, go to this particular place. Here are the GPS coordinates. Oh, here's a picture of it. You're going to love it. Look at these trees. No, he didn't get any of that. He didn't get a description. He didn't get a chain of events. Hey, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. None of that. Abram I'm calling you into a relationship with me, and this is what I'm asking you to do. Leave everything that you know behind, and I'm going to take you to a place that you don't see yet, that you don't know yet, but you're going to have to trust me for. Are you ready? And Abram says, yeah, I'm in it. And he packs his bag, and he leaves. Now, if I die, and I have a headstone there are a lot of things I'd love to have on my headstone, but I'll tell you this much. I want to be the kind of person that people remember that when God said go, that I went. I want to be the kind of person that when God speaks, I'm not just listening, but I'm listening and I'm obeying. I want to be the kind of person who has the faith to trust God even when I do not see how things are going to turn out. Track with me for a minute. Because we are a culture that prizes ourselves on logic and things making sense. This did not make any sense. I guarantee his daddy, his mommy, his, his, his mom, his dad, his, his, everybody but Lot probably thought he had lost his mind. And yet off he goes. 
Sometimes you need to get going even when you don't know what the final destination looks like. For many of you, that's true this morning. We wait until things look safe and the, the coast is clear before we're willing to take a risk and follow God into uncharted territories. And that's not the relationship that God is inviting us into. He's inviting us to live a life of faith. Genesis 13. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. This all happened, by the way, while he was in Egypt. There was a famine that was taking place. And so he and his, his cousin Lot, they go down to Egypt, and they, they survive the famine. And as they do, they're getting completely crazy wealthy. God has, has, is just showering them with wealth. He'd become wealthy in livestock, silver, and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land couldn't support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we're close relatives. Is not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So, let's rewind the tape. Abram has left with Lot. They've left every single thing that they know, and the reason they left is because Abram felt God call him into relationship. He speaks to him about a place that he doesn't even know yet. He's never even seen yet, but he's willing to trust God for, so off they go. And as he's in faith, Abram and Lot, while they're in Egypt surviving the famine but still trusting God, are so blessed with livestock and silver and gold. As they're trusting God, they're blessed by God. But make no mistake about it, even as they leave Egypt and are pursuing God's call for them, they run into strain and they run into problems. And the strain and problems come because the herders are fighting with each other. The people who are working, their servants, they're mixing it up. There's not enough land for both of them. And I know we could sit here and we can talk about how, man, I just, I wish I had those kind of problems. Where Abraham is so blessed, he doesn't know, they don't, they, they can't even fit, right? But, but hear this, sometimes wealth is an interesting thing. Because we always talk about wealth in the context of it being a blessing from God. But some of the most stressed out people I know are the wealthiest people I know. Because you've got to care for all this stuff now. 
all the servants that are required for all of the livestock, all of the feed, all of the pasture, all of the thought processes that you didn't really have to think about when things were a lot smaller and they were a lot easier. Church planning is no different. Sometimes we sit here and the church is young and it's smaller right now, but as it grows older, every pastor longs and dreams of the day when their church is a thousand. And then when that church is a thousand, they realize how much more stressed or harder it is at a thousand than it was at 125. It's amazing how wealth, it requires you trusting God. Even as you're walking in God's blessing, it requires a different level of trusting him. And so here's your big idea today. I want you to take this with you. You can tweet it. You can Instagram it. You can Facebook it. It's kind of long. But here's what it is. Don't ever think God wants you to have every answer and never be in need. You might be right where God wants you, trusting him every step of the way. It doesn't matter if you have a lot or you have a little. God is after one thing, and that's you trusting him with what you have. Faith. You don't see how this is going to work out. You don't see, you don't understand. One plus one does not always equal two in God's economy. And so God is always trying to draw us to a place of deeper faith and trusting him some of you have experienced great tragedy some of you ex have experienced church hurts and church pain and we sit around and we, we we wonder like how can this how can this be god and i don't sit here with the great theology on pain and suffering and have an answer for you on why every single thing happens but i can tell you that god will use every single thing that happens if you will let him to draw you deeper and closer that you might have a greater trust and a greater faith in him have you ever heard someone say while this season was so grueling and it was so painful. It's weird for me to say it, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because of the intimacy that I now have with God. Why? How has that happened? Because God hasn't revealed every answer to you. He hasn't, he hasn't given you every single need. He hasn't provided every single thing that you might ever have or request or need because he is drawing you into a deeper faith in trusting him. At my house, you know, we have four kids, and one of the things that I love more than anything is when our house is just spick and span clean which when you have four children and me in your house, that's rarely ever spick and span clean, where it's, just, where it's just everything is in its perfect place. Oh, even just saying that just feels so good coming out of my mind. Everything just has its home. It's perfectly organized. Oh, and what I love to do is I love to get up early before anybody's awake. It's still dark out. It's pitch black in my house. And I'll sneak on downstairs before anyone's awake. I'll get the coffee going. And I'll just sit. And I'll drink my coffee. It is beautiful. Have the, my Bible out. Maybe have some worship music quietly playing so it doesn't wake anyone up. Well, here's the thing. When, you, when you've done this a little bit, right, when you have your routine down, 
We call this autopilot. Think about, think about your routine that you have getting to campus or getting to school or getting to work. You don't even have to really think about it all that much, do you? You get out of bed. You go straight to the shower. You put on the clothes. You go downstairs. You, coffee button. Coffee button again. You know, you get a, you get a, a bar for the car, right? And you, you're eating or you're drinking. You, you have your routine all the way to the desk. You've got your two podcasts, your two songs. And by the time you've gone through the amount of time, you know you're like two minutes from the office and you get in you sit at your desk or whatever your routine is. After you do this routine, the reason it's a routine is because you don't have to think about it that much. And I have a little flashlight app on my phone. And surprise, when we first bought the house, I would turn the flashlight app on when, when I got up really early to make sure that I didn't like run into a wall or a piece of furniture because I was still getting used to the house. And then as I got this routine down, you know what I didn't need to do and I don't need to do anymore at all is turn on a flashlight app. I know where everything is. There's even weird walls that stick out, and even when it's pitch black, I can just walk around them, and I can get to the restroom. I can get to, I can get to the coffee maker. I can get to the kitchen. I can get to the couch and not really have to turn on any light because I know this well-worn path. Except just about two, three Five times a week? Even though I know this routine well, you know what will happen? I'll be making my way quietly down the hallway. Quiet as a mouse. I don't want to wake up the baby. Who wants to do that? I want that baby to sleep the entire day. That's what I want. And as I'm, you know, making my way to the steps, you know what I'll do is I'll, I'll hit this thing that's been hiding in the darkness waiting for me, a Lightning McQueen vehicle. And of course, it has to be the vehicle that makes sound and, and lights up and woo, woo, and does its thing. And of course, everyone can hear it in the whole house. And I'm trying to get to where I'm trying to get, and I'm trying to do it gracefully and quietly, or it'll be a marble on the hardwood floor. Have you ever stepped on a marble lately? Have you ever just hardwood floored it, marble, full weight? Cuss words can come very quickly at an early morning time. I promise you, you can be, you, you can be so excited to spend time in God's presence, and immediately it's like you turn into a bull waiting for the, the matador. You're just, you know, you're, you're ready to take somebody down. That happens. It happens at my house, and it happens regularly. And one of the weeks that this happened, God reminded me something. Just kind of put something in my spirit here. It was like he was smiling at my misfortune in this moment. Like a dad, like a father who's watching his son, you know, struggling to kind of understand something or realize something. And even as I got to the coffee and I got to the couch and had stepped on something and was kind of annoyed, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, this is what I'm trying to produce in your life, Andy. How much of your life with me do you live completely on autopilot? Where you don't think, 
you're just kind of moseying along and you have your routine and you can just do your thing and you've got your automatic paycheck that gets deposited and you've got this and you've got that and you've got a little little bit of savings over here and you've got your house, you know your bills, you've got your church routine, you have your life group routine, you have the people that you, you know and you just operate and, and move through life without really having to think about it, without having to pray to me, without having to actually seek me and trust me and use your faith. And I felt the Holy Spirit saying, there are times, Andy, where I am intentionally putting marbles in the middle of your floor so that it will disrupt your routine so that you have to take a step back and trust me and reach out in the dark and actually find your way to a place where you're experiencing my presence. And some of you, that's life for you. You're sitting here and you're so frustrated because of the disruption of your routine, the disruption of your life, the way that you feel. You've been discouraged. You might be depressed. You might feel this. You might be struggling with grades. You might be struggling with friends or relationships or the pain of a, of a divorce or the pain of, of no marriage or the pain of this. And God is asking and using this moment like a marble in the bottom of your foot that you would reach out and trust him, that you would see him, that you wouldn't just operate your life and your faith without actually engaging him. But he loves to keep you on your toes. Abraham, I want you to pack your bags. I want you to leave every single thing that you know. And I'm going to take you to a place that I'm going to show you. I haven't even shown you yet. So go ahead and leave, and by the way, I'll tell you when you get there. So Abraham went. There's a reason he is the father of faith. And it reminds us, it calls to something in our life, especially our nice, and I realize this is relative and a generalization, but comparatively to the rest of the world, our Western cushy world, Oftentimes, where you, where you can live in a relationship with God that requires almost zero faith at all. Paul writes it like this in the New Testament. It's a short verse. He's speaking to the Corinthian church, and he says that as a reminder to them, we live by faith and not by sight. He's speaking to a wealthy church an affluent church, a gifted church. And the danger is that they would put their faith in what they can see and what they, they, what they know, what they can taste and feel and smell. And he's reminding them, you do not live this life out of what you see, but rather a life of faith. You're trusting God with everything even when you do not see it. running short on time today. Oh, boy. I'm going to paraphrase this. You know what? I'm just going to take us there. Genesis 13, 10 through 12. I'm going to give you a little perspective on, his, on this cousin Lot. 
because he chose to live a different kind of life than Abraham, even though he was with Abraham. He operated living by sight rather than by faith. So Lot looked around. Catch the text. He looked and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar, that was, it was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. We'll hit pause right there. If you know anything about Canaan, Canaan is still in the middle of a famine. And here is Lot. I mean, here is, here is Abraham once again. God has called him to go. He can't see where he's going, but he's going to go anyway. Then they, they run into friction, and they know they have to part ways. And so what does Abram say? What does Lot say? Hey, you pick. I'll go the other way. And so Lot does what Lot does best. He looks with his eyes, and he measures with his eyes, while Abraham is trusting God with what he doesn't see. If Lot chooses the beautiful land close to Sodom and Gomorrah, well, that means that I've got to take all my people, my family, my servants, my livestock, my life, and I've got to go to Canaan. Well, Canaan's in the middle of a famine. God, how are you going to provide for us? What are you going to do for us, God? How's this going to work out? I don't know. But even in the not knowing, Abram trusted God. Lot, however, does something really interesting. He, he moves his tents, he moves his people close to Sodom. And Sodom is a city that's known for its wickedness. But Lot didn't care. He was measuring things with his eyes. If I get a little bit closer, I think I can make a little bit more. I think this makes a little bit more sense, doesn't it, for my family? This makes more sense for my job, uh, my, my job performance, my, my, my job security. This, this is logical. This is what we should do. One plus one equals two. The grass is greener, so let's go to the, where the grass is greener. And so in chapter 13, verse 10, Lot looked toward Sodom. In verse 12, he moved his tents near Sodom. For time's sake, chapter 14, verse 12, Lot then is living in Sodom. And then by chapter 19, Lot is sitting in the city gates of Sodom, meaning he has become a city official now in a city that is known for wickedness. How does that happen? How does a man who's linked arms with Abram Live such a different life because he's living his life with his eyes by what he can see rather than living his life by faith. In church, there are a lot of things, and I believe that God is calling the Western church back to this. We have become a church, not us specifically, but just Christianity at large, where we have prided ourselves on the best business practice. And we, we've operated and run church structures like businesses and organizations. And I'm not saying there's never a place for that. But we have, we have created environments and structures that have simply made sense logically 
that have constituted church growth and people getting saved and things of this nature, but we have oftentimes neglected this idea of living a radical, crazy faith that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world that's watching. Amy and I share, Amy shared a story with me. She was at a retreat this past week, and there was a, a, one of the, the wives that was there with her, a friend, was talking about this prognosis that she got when she was pregnant. Their child was horribly deformed. And so the doctor said, you should abort this child. But she grabbed that doctor's arm, and she said, I will not put this baby down. I'm going to trust God. So I, don't, I can't even remember all the details, but I know she had a piece of paper that had God's promises on it. Maybe it was a picture. But each morning, while it was tremendously painful, she would pray God's promises over the child in her belly. And even though the doctor said no go, she stood her ground. She prayed. She prayed through tears. She prayed through pain. She gave birth to a perfectly healthy baby. How's that possible? Every doctor would say, this is, this is ridiculous. And it presented a powerful moment of testimony uh, regarding who God is and the God that invites us to live by faith and not by sight but it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be medical how many things that is god inviting us to walk in faith some of you need to go some of you need to do something crazy like step out on a mission trip some of you need to simply have the faith to engage in a relationship in a life group some of you need to begin having a, a, a faith and begin letting go of your finances and live generously Simple things. And yes, I'm using that word simple because compared to this kind of living, those are small steps. But you can do this. You can walk this way. You can walk by faith. And sometimes, might I add, it takes just as much faith to stay as it does to go. Some of you need to leave jobs that you've been hanging on to. And the only reason you've hung on to it is because it's a paycheck. And as you get a little bit older, what happens? Well, you become more afraid about what you could possibly lose. And so this idea of faithful living becomes more about safe living. Abram did something that speaks to me. He didn't live reckless, although the world might think that he did. They might, uh, nowadays, you'd be, you'd be chastised. You'd be rebuked at every turn. But he wasn't living reckless. He was living a faithful, trust-filled life because he felt God leading him. Walking by faith means you are not in control of the outcome. you hear that? If you're going to walk by faith with God, it means you cannot be in control 
of how everything is going to shake out. You can't. It doesn't mean that you'll be without pain. It doesn't mean that you won't be without heartache. It doesn't mean that things will turn out every time like you want. There's a great deal of suffering that happens in Scripture. And there's also a tremendous amount of God providing breakthrough for people who are faithful and who seek Him and desire His presence and are willing to trust Him. Walking by faith means moving forward without knowing where you will end up. (laughs) That is the life of faith, church. I don't know how this is going to shake. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I love that Abram is the father of faith and his life points us to an even greater life, the life of Jesus. Because if there's anything that as a Christian you can relate to, it's God calling Abraham out of this life and setting him in another life to pursue God in relationship above everything else. And for some of you, that is exactly the decision that you need to make. And you've been unwilling to make it because you're unsure. The details aren't clear. You don't know what the outcome is going to look like. You're nervous. You're scared. You're afraid. Welcome to living by faith. Welcome to trusting God even when you don't see or know how it's all going to turn out. The same God that called Abraham is the same God that calls you. And he calls you to leave everything behind and to follow him. To seek first his kingdom. To live this crazy life of faith. That's his invitation to every single Maybe today it's faith in Him as your Lord and your Savior. Or maybe today it's faith. Maybe you're in the middle of something so painful and you can't see how God can turn it around. You can't imagine living and functioning whole again. You can't even imagine having a job where You're making what you need to make. You can't fathom a God that loves you, that cares for you, who sent his son for you. But he has, and he does. And he's inviting every single one of us today to trust him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. power of the Holy Spirit, God, the Spirit that changes us from the inside out. Lord, today we reject living by fear, living safe. We reject it right now. In fact, even if you're, if you're sitting here this morning and you know that has been you, I want you to say it, whether you whisper it 
whether you say it loud, I don't care, but out of your mouth, confess it. Say, God, today I reject living safe, and I choose to follow you by faith through the mountains and through the valleys. I choose to trust you today, God. You are my Lord, you are my Savior, and you are the King of my heart. My faith is in you and you alone. Speak to me, Lord. Lead me, Lord, and I will follow. Speak, Lord, and I will listen. thank you this morning or that what makes headlines isn't some flashy splashy thing Lord or somehow standing up in front of crowds of thousands and showing off our gifts or our talents it's the simple life of faith of trusting you of listening following you with everything we've got There's no other God like you. It's in your name.